And honestly, when I look at these parables, I think Jesus was probably talking as much to his disciples as he was to the other crowds that were there. Now, there was a huge crowd of people gathered. He was sharing with all of them. But as I read it, I really think he probably was talking a lot to his disciples. You know, they, they had this picture painted of what Jesus was going to be like. They had heard about this Messiah that was coming. They had heard about how he was going to establish his kingdom on earth. And I think they had this huge picture and this huge expectation in their mind of what that would look like and how that would go. And then Jesus came along, and he came in a little different form than they expected. And he called them in a different way than they might have expected. And the ministry that Jesus was doing, the way he was talking to the crowds, the way he was traveling from town to town, the things that they were going through were different than they might have expected. And I think if I had been one of the disciples, this is probably the point in the ministry where I begin to wonder, what have I gotten myself into, and what difference can I really make? You know, here is Jesus who's come as the Messiah to change the world, to bring God's kingdom to earth, to change everything, to start afresh. And it's Jesus, and there's 12 of us, and what in the world can we do? What difference can we make? What impact are we going to have on the world around us? You know, this is the point where they're starting to face some criticism. They're starting to come up against people who are going, you know, this Jesus isn't always cracked up to be. This Jesus isn't really teaching what he should be teaching. And people are starting to complain and persecute and give him issues. And all of a sudden, now the disciples are going, wow, what am I involved in? And I think it's in that context that Jesus starts with the story. And he very plainly illustrates that sometimes little things can have a big impact. Sometimes it's the little things that can have a big impact. And I think he paints a really good picture of that in these stories. This is a picture of a mustard seed, actually a bunch of mustard seeds in a person's hand. Just to give you a little context of how small a mustard seed is. Now it is not truly the smallest seed. So if you're a gardener or you know much about this, you know that the mustard seed is not the smallest, but it was used as the proverbial smallest thing in Palestine in that time. So as Jesus was teaching, they would use lots of references that referred to the mustard seed as being the smallest thing. And when you look at it, that's a tiny little seed. And the plant that comes from that seed is not the normal mustard plant that you or I might know if you're doing any gardening here in the area. If you grow mustard, it's not going to look like the tree that Jesus is talking about. In Palestine, it would look more like this. This is a wild mustard plant from the Middle East, and this is what it would grow to look like. You see, it's a huge, bushy plant, but it grows to be the size of like a tree. And in a single season, that one little mustard seed that's planted can grow into a tree that's as much as 8 to 15 feet in height. Now, it's not a tree tree like it's going to grow forever that you wouldn't, you know, you're going to cut it down just like any other plant, but it's a huge plant. And you can see the reference he's making about birds can land in it, they can nest there, and it can provide shade. And there's all these different things that you see. And it all grew out of that one tiny little mustard seed. In a similar fashion, he talks about yeast and the power of yeast in dough. Now, think about it a minute. How many of you are bakers and you like make your own homemade bread? You mix it up. You put it in the pan, you let it set all day and rise, and then you put it in the oven and bake it. Anybody? Okay, we've got two, three, four, few. Okay, I'm proud of you. That's impressive. Now, how many of you are like me, and you have one of those fancy little square boxes that they call a bread maker, and you plug it into the wall, and you put the ingredients in according to the instructions, and you hit start, and then you get a really nice loaf of bread. Anybody have that? All right, a few more of you. Not very many. Do you all not like bread or what? Come on. If nothing else, get it and make it just so you have the smell in your house. It's great for that. 
But as you think about making bread, what's one of the most important ingredients? The yeast, right? If you don't put yeast in it, you're going to have some horrible bread. It's going to be flat and doughy and chewy and it's going to be hard to eat. You're not going to enjoy it very much. But when you put that little tiny bit of yeast in with the other ingredients, it makes all the difference in the world with your bread. I mean, all I do is follow the instructions on the box and you get this big box, looks like a cereal box, of your bread mix. And you dump it out and it's some flour-looking substance. I'm sure there's other stuff in it, but it looks like flour. And you dump it in the pan and you add the amount of water that they tell you. And then you have this tiny little packet that you rip the top off of and you dump the yeast in. And it's these little tiny granules that you dump into that mix. And when you hit start, you see your bread maker start to mix that stuff up and start to put it together. And over time, you see the dough begin to rise and you see it begin to change because of the impact that that yeast has. And you get this big box of ingredients and just this little package of yeast that you add to it. But it makes all the difference in the world in your bread. And so Jesus is using these illustrations that were simple for them. Because in their day, you know, they didn't have the fancy bread maker. Their bread maker was called Mom. Or if they had a lot of money, they had a servant that would fix their bread for them. But they fixed bread every single day. They had to because they couldn't run up to Publix and get bread like you and I do. So they had to make bread every day to eat. And so it was something that was very common to them. They understood the mustard seed. They understood the need for yeast. And in fact, their yeast was even fancier than ours because they didn't have the little pellets like we have in the packet. They would take bread that had basically fermented from days before and take a little bit of that dough and add it in. And that was their, their, uh, their yeast that they were putting in the bread to make it rise, the leaven. But the big thing here is that most often it's the little things like the mustard seed that turns into a tree and like the yeast that we put into our dough that has the greatest impact. And Jesus is telling that story to make the point. Now, there are several things I think we can learn from this parable. And like I said, this is kind of open to interpretation. Jesus doesn't have a very specific explanation of this story. So I'm going to share some things with you that I've learned from the parable and I think would play out for all of us. And the first is this. The kingdom of God here on earth started small, but it's moving to greatness. It's just like what he was talking about with the mustard seed. You have this tiny little seed that turns into a huge plant. You have this tiny bit of yeast that makes all the difference in the world when you're making bread and when you put it in your dough. Here's the thing that's very important for us to remember. We are the kingdom here on earth. We are part of God's kingdom. He is working through us. And see, if you're like me, I look at the story and I think about how the disciples were probably discouraged at this time and Jesus was sharing with them how important their role could be. And I think he's doing the same for us because... We look at ourselves and we think what we have to give is insignificant. What we have to give, our, our contribution that we can make, it's going to be small. You know, what, what can I really do? What impact can I have on the world around me? I mean, when, when you look at your community and when you look beyond, what impact can you really have? What can you do? What difference can you make? And Jesus is showing again that sometimes it's those small, seemingly insignificant things that make all the difference in the world. Your contribution is critical. I was reading a story this past week about a, a science experiment in which the scientists took a, a great big uh, iron weight, a 100-pound weight, and he suspended it from the ceiling. I don't know what he hung it on, but he suspended it from the ceiling, so here you've got this iron weight that's hanging. Now think about this. 100 pounds, it's like a great big bag of concrete plus some more. So it's a heavy object hanging from the ceiling. It's not going to move. The wind's going to blow. It's not going to sway. It's just going to hang there, right? And then he took a little cork, that weighed about an ounce. And he took that cork and he suspended it from the ceiling right beside it. 
And he began to take that cork and just swing it into that iron weight. If you can picture that, if you've got that iron weight hanging here, heavy, 100 pounds, and this little one-ounce cork swinging against it, time after time after time, swinging against it, swinging against it. And as you can imagine, at first, nothing happens. And you see that iron weight just sits still. It sits there. It's 100 pounds. It's not moving. And this little one-ounce cork just bounces off of it, just bounces off of it. And he continues to throw that cork against that iron weight and continues and continues. And over time, that iron weight begins to vibrate a little bit. And you begin to see a little bit of motion in it. And he continues time after time after time after time, bouncing that cork against that iron weight. And eventually, that iron weight actually begins to move. And he keeps bouncing that cork against it. And it keeps swinging more and more and more to where they finally got the weight swinging in an arc from a one-ounce cork banging against that 100-pound weight over and over and over. See, most of us look at our lives and we go, well, I'm a cork. I've got an ounce to give, but I'm facing a world that weighs 100 pounds or maybe even more. But the significance there is that over time, it does matter. It can make the difference. See, it's the little things in life that can have the greatest impact. The second thing that I think we can learn from the parable is this. The kingdom of God often works in ways that are unseen. It often works in ways that are unseen. Think about it for a minute. When you plant a mustard seed, you're expecting a tree to grow, right? You're expecting a plant to grow out of that seed. But do you sit and watch the plant grow? How many times have you just sit and watched your garden grow? If you've ever grown a plant or grown a flower or done anything, surely at least your kids brought home a flower from school or something. Do you just sit on the couch and watch it grow? Of course not. But over time, usually over days or weeks or even months, you begin to see growth happen. And all of a sudden there's a little sprout, and then there's a leaf, and then it grows a little bigger. And it's the same with a mustard tree. Even though that tree grows from that tiny seed to be 12 or 15 feet tall within a single season, you still don't sit and watch it grow in real time. And I think the kingdom is a lot like that. So many times there's things going on in the kingdom, and it's growing, and it's this growing organism there's constantly something happening, but we don't see it because you can't sit and watch it in real time. You can look back and see how it has grown the same way you can look at that tree or that bush and you can look back and remember how little that seed was that it came from, but you don't sit and watch it grow in real time. Same with yeast. You put yeast in the bread, you can sit and watch your dough rise, but you can't physically see the yeast work. You just know it works because the dough changes, right? I mean, it's not like you see the fancy little pizza guy in there that's pushing his way around and spreading the dough out and making it tall or wide or throwing it up in the air. You don't see that part of it. But in reality, that's kind of what the yeast is doing. It's changing the composition of the dough so that it will rise and make bread the way we want. But we can't see that. You might also think of it like an underground river. You know, an underground river, you, you can't see. In, in, in Florida, we're, we're very familiar with the aquifers, so we know that we have water under the ground and we, we know that it's flowing constantly and there's all that going on. But the only time we see those things is when you go to a spring and you see the water spring up from the ground and sometimes you can even see the bubbles and stuff as it swells up out of the ground or you can see the river that comes from it. You know, a lot of times we've taken the French students up to Rainbow River for a trip and you get to see that spring and the water come up in that crystal clear water that's come from under the ground and you can swim in it and play in it, but you can see the river flowing there but you have no idea what's happening under the surface. You don't see that underground river. And a lot of times the kingdom is like that. It's like that underground river where there's something going on, it's moving, it's happening, 
but we don't notice it because it's out of sight. It's hard for us to notice. I think you could also phrase it this way. Often the kingdom works in ways that are unsaid. Um, a couple weeks ago, my family and I traveled up to West Virginia. I've got a, my last two grandparents are, are both in final stages of life and battling cancer and some other things. And so we went up to spend some time with my grandfather. He had just had surgery and uh, he's home with hospice care now. So we knew things were kind of coming to the end and I wanted my kids to be able to spend some time with him. So we went up there and, and while we're there, he's in the hospital. He had just had surgery. And uh, you've got to understand, this is my grandfather who was like my second dad. I mean, my dad, when I was growing up, great dad, but he worked construction. He was a construction electrician, and he often had to travel for work. And so when I was a kid, I remember a lot of times where he'd be gone for three or four weeks at a time because he'd be in another state working, and he'd come home for a weekend, and then he was right back out to work. And so this grandfather was like my second dad. He was the one who was picking me up from school, and you know, he, he repaired lawnmowers. He was a fireman. He was the fire chief in our town. So, I mean, that's the coolest grandfather ever. You get to slide down the pole at the firehouse in our hometown and do all these neat things. But he was the guy who was investing time in me, and he would take me hunting and take me fishing and teach me all these things about life. And so we had this great relationship. And I'm sitting there in the hospital a couple weeks ago, and you know, the rest of my family was out doing other things. I was trying to give them a break, and and he's sleeping, of course. He's trying to rest after his surgery. And so I'm just sitting there in a quiet hospital room with him. And I was thinking back about the impact that he's had on my life. And I began to realize I cannot recall a single time in my relationship with my grandfather that we ever had a significant spiritual conversation. Not once. But we didn't have to. Because he lived it out in front of me. He modeled it in such a way that in reality, when I look back, he had more impact in my life than anybody else that I can think of because of what I saw him do, because of the way I saw him act or react or sometimes not react, because of the attitude that he carried, because of the little things that I saw in his life, things like we would go to the farm and, and you know, we'd get up in the morning and he'd get up early and I'd get up behind him and I'd walk downstairs and he'd be reading his Bible or, or just having some quiet time and I'd see those things in his life. But it was also just the little things about the way he interacted with other people that I watched. And throughout my whole life, he modeled what it meant to follow Christ. He modeled what that looked like. There was never a doubt in my mind that he was following Christ and that he loved him. I mean, he taught Sunday school. He did all these things that I saw. But we never had to talk about it because his life showed it. And I think the kingdom is that way a lot of times. It's unsaid. You don't even have to share with words. You can model with your life. You can in relationship, show what Christ has done in you, how he has changed you, and the impact that that has had. So I think a lot of times God's kingdom works in ways that are unseen or maybe unsaid. But see, it's those little things that have the greatest impact. I think the third thing we can learn about God's kingdom in these parables is that the kingdom works from within. When we talk about God's kingdom, it is a picture of renewal. It's a picture of having a fresh heart, of starting over, of that clean slate. And that is the picture that Jesus is painting in all of these stories about what you can attain as you trust in him and you find his peace and you understand his grace and his love. And it's this picture of that heart change, that renewal. You see that mustard seed that he's talking about? That's useless unless you plant it. You can hold it in your hand as long as you want, and it will never, ever grow into a mustard plant because your hand is not going to give it 
the fertile soil it needs and the water it needs. Well, mine might because I sweat so crazy, but normal people, their hand is not going to make the mustard seed grow. And yeast is not going to do you any good outside of dough. You can leave it in that packet all day long. And it's not going to do a thing until you put it in the dough and allow it to work and allow it to cause that dough to rise and make bread. And that is the picture of renewal that we see. And for us as Christ followers, that renewal begins when we are born again. And Jesus says it this way in John 3. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here, and they're having this conversation about, well, what do you mean be born again? How do I do that? How can I go back into my mother's womb and come out? And Jesus is painting this picture of spiritual renewal. He says, when you choose to trust in me, you are born again. You are a new creation. You are fresh and clean, and it's a clean slate, and you're starting all over. It's renewal of heart. It's a fresh outlook on life. And that is a picture of the kingdom. But see, it doesn't stop there. And here's where it becomes important for us. Because Jesus doesn't just leave it at, you need to be renewed, or you need that fresh start, or you need that change. He takes it to the next level and says, no, you need to be agents of renewal in the world around you. And you need to be planting seeds. You need to be planting that yeast and dough around you. You need to be doing these things, sharing what I have already shared with you. Because again, that seed is worthless until you plant it. But he's saying that we need to plant that as well. And it's like the Great Commission says in Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and make a difference. Plant seeds. Share your faith. Share your life. Go plant seeds and add yeast. See, it's the little things in life that often have the greatest impact. It's the little things that often have the greatest impact. I think the last thing that really stands out to me, and this is the key element, this is the most important thing, is that the kingdom receives power from above, from God alone. See, a lot of times we're okay with this idea of planting seeds. We're okay with the idea of putting yeast in the dough and doing those things. We get that and we realize we're supposed to share but we try to do it in our own strength, and that's when we become discouraged. That's when we look around and go, well, what impact can I have? What difference can I really make? I mean, what do I have to offer? What in the world can I possibly contribute? And I think the reality is that we have to understand that it's not in our power because we can plant seeds all day long. We can be people who water seeds all day long, but in reality, we have no power over making that seed grow. You get a dud mustard seed and you throw it in the ground and you can put water on it for six months and it's not going to grow because you're not in control of that seed. You're not in control of the growth process. You can't make it grow. Only God can make it grow. And it's the same way in life. We're called to plant seeds. We're called to share our life. We're called to have that impact, however insignificant it may seem. And then God grows that. It's his responsibility to grow that once we plant the seed. You know, Paul said it this way to the church at Corinth. And you've got to understand the church was kind of bickering here and they're having a little disagreement about, well, who was the key leader and, and who did this and who did that. I know none of you have ever understood that because, you know, we don't ever fight or have disagreements in church, right? You're going to have to learn to participate a little more. Come on. We never have disagreements in church, right? But Paul's saying to the church at Corinth, he says, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. Why are we even talking about this? He says, I, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. That's what's important. So he's saying it doesn't matter 
okay, yes, I came and I started something and I planted a seed and I told you stories and I shared my life with you and I told you about all these things. And Apollos came behind me and he did a lot of the same stuff and he poured into you and he invested in you and he shared more of the gospel message and he continued to help you grow. But God made it grow. All we're doing is giving you tools. All we're doing is planting the seed and adding water. God makes it grow. See, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So you can only be an agent of renewal by planting seeds. It's up to God to make the rest happen. But God can take your insignificant contributions and make amazing things happen because of them. How many of you have ever heard the story of Edward Kimball? Familiar with that name? Edward Kimball was a simple guy. He was a guy who followed Christ. And this was a long time ago, but one day he got up the nerve to share his faith with a young shoe salesman by the name of Dwight Moody. Maybe you've heard his name. Dwight Moody was a very well-renowned uh, evangelist of his day. And you hear this story and you go, man, that's cool. Here's a simple guy who shared his faith with somebody who became an evangelist and had an amazing impact on the world. He was able to preach to lots of people, was able to share the gospel, was able to share the love of God. That's really cool. But that's just the beginning of the story. See, this one guy was obedient to God's leading. He shared his faith. He shared his life with Dwight Moody. And then Dwight Moody traveled on to England, and he had a significant influence in the ministry of a man by the name of F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer, in turn, shared his faith with a, name, a man named J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman was an evangelist who had a man on his staff by the name of Billy Sunday. Maybe you've heard that name. We're getting a little closer to our era now. Billy Sunday was a former baseball player who went on to be a renowned preacher and do a lot of evangelistic missions of his own. And in fact, in Charlotte in 1924, Billy Sunday was leading an evangelistic crusade. And in the process of that, there was a group of men who decided to form a prayer group out of that evangelistic crusade. They came to this, they were so impacted, they formed this group, they even named it after Billy Sunday because he had had such an impact in their lives. And this group of guys begins to pray in the Charlotte area. And they, they pray with each other and they do Bible studies together and it's a group of businessmen that meet weekly. And after a course of about three years, they decided to have another evangelistic campaign in Charlotte and they invited an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham to Charlotte in 1934. And while Mordecai Ham was speaking at one of his crusades, there was a young man by the name of Billy Graham who came and gave his life to Christ. Now, you've all heard the name Billy Graham, right? And you know the impact that he had on the world, and you know the impact that he's still having through the many ministries that are going on, and even you can see in Billy Graham's son, Franklin, with the many things that are happening. And you see these amazing ministries, and you go, wow, God's doing something amazing through him. But when you stop and you trace it back and you realize that all of that was made possible because one simple guy was obedient one time to share his story, to share his faith, and it changed the world. See, a lot of times we're just like that simple guy. We're like Edward Kimball. We have no idea that the things that we do when we're obedient to God are going to turn into something big. He never even got to see that. Edward Kimball never got to see Billy Graham or know him or know anything about him to know the impact. But when you looked at the story of how God used something so simple as him sharing his faith to impact generation after generation with powerful leaders within the Christian faith, it's amazing to understand. See, we're not called to greatness. We are simply called to obedience. 
And when we are doing what God calls us to do, when we are being obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, even though our contribution may seem insignificant, it can do amazing things. You see, most often it's the little things that have the greatest impact. Just that little drop after drop after drop. Just like that little one-ounce cork banging against that 100-pound iron weight time after time after time. If you're anything like me, most of the time you feel like that little drop that was the first one to go in that jar of water. And you see it hit the water and you see the little red puff. And I don't know what you guys can see out there when you're looking down on it from here as it drops in and just like makes a ring. And you can just see it float slowly to the bottom. And you can see clear all around it, the clear water, and just that little bit of red dye that falls under the water. And I think so many times we feel that way. We feel like we're that tiny little drop and we just got dropped in a huge jug of water and what impact in the world can we possibly have? But see, that's how God works and how God's kingdom moves and works because he uses those little drops, those little seemingly insignificant things that we do and he can change that entire jug and turn it red, change the entire composition. The water doesn't change color on the first one. It takes several drops to make it change. And if I just continued to add more and more dye, that water would get more and more and more red. And it would change more. And that's how the kingdom works. So the question I have for you is this. What impact are you having on the world around you for God's kingdom? What is your little drop of dye? What is your little cork that is banging against that heavy weight? Because it doesn't matter how insignificant it seems to you. What matters is what God can do with it when we're obedient. If he is calling you to, to just do life with someone, do it. Be obedient. If he's calling you to actually share your faith and to share your story, do it. Be obedient. Whatever it is, he can use it to do amazing things. We just have to simply be obedient and give of ourselves and give our all for him. So what impact are you having on the world around you? What's your little red drops? Let's pray. God, thank you that you do not leave us as we are, but you change us. You use people around us, and you use many tools to be able to impact your kingdom, to be able to make a difference in the kingdom. And God, we just simply trust that you will work in your power through our insignificant contributions. God, we pray that, that you would help us to simply be willing to be obedient, to give of ourselves and to do what you have called us to do, to share our life with others around us, and to remember constantly how important of a role that we play and how you use us in expanding your kingdom. God, may we leave this place today reminded that we are a key part to what you are doing and you have called and, wanted, and want to use us. We love you.